0: Hello and welcome back to Before the Shutter I'm Harley if you've not seen my videos before this channel is all about art and photography it's not really a gear channel but I did anticipate that at some point someone's gonna ask me what gear I use so today I'm gonna do a video which I can point back to in the future for basically answering any questions that anyone's got about what type of gear I use so to start us off we I think the most important piece of equipment you need in a studio is a Jasmine. you Jasmine. She's acting all camera shy because I just clap my hands to get the sound in sync. And beyond that, the most important piece of equipment is basically your eyes, your ears, your mouth and your brain no no that's a disappointing question we will get into the actual gear shortly but i just want to point out that the whole premise around the channel is that you don't need to have specific equipment and you don't need to have the very best skills in photoshop a lot of good photography really is being able to anticipate what's going to happen predict where people are going to move how they're going to move how they're going to interact with other people and with portraiture a lot of it is helping people to build a confidence and feel comfortable and open in front of the camera so when you do go to take that picture they're not stiff or they're not putting on a um, what they think is a good face or a good pose and really helping them through that and you don't do that with your equipment you do that with your people skills and you do that with your knowledge and experience so i suppose that means we are gonna have to get onto the equipment I'm gonna cut here so I apologize while I grab my stuff okay so the first pieces of equipment I'm gonna to speak to you about are my cameras and to start off we I had a disposable camera same as pretty much everyone then I moved on to a non disposable film camera this is like 20 years ago so I'm showing my age a little bit and over time I progressed on to digital cameras, you know, entry-level ones, point-and-shoots, that kind of thing. So it was only really with my degree that I knew what kind of camera I wanted to invest in. So the first of my cameras is the Sony a7II. And I chose that at the time because it was available for under a thousand pounds with the lens. And at that time it was the cheapest full-frame camera available which i knew would give me more dynamic range better low light performance the in-body stabilization all the typical technical reasons for choosing a camera and the crop sensor ones at the time just didn't have that same kind of flexibility and availability especially for the price now some of the other benefits for me was the size of the camera i've actually had to attach a battery grip to the a7II because they are notoriously short battery lives but with the battery grip I am able to pretty much do a full day of shooting um, for an event especially because I use it as my backup camera now my second camera is an a7 III and I've chose that basically for uh, the same reason anyone would choose the three over the two it meant that I could transfer all my lenses from one body to the next it's got substantially better battery life better dynamic range better low light performance it's um, got faster drive mode the eye autofocus is fantastic Uh, the size is very very similar Um, there's a couple of other little bits and pieces that are tweaked but overall it's just pretty much the same as the a7ii but a lot better at all aspects of it now i use both these cameras when i go and do an event so whether it's a wedding or a corporate event or um networking event, something like that and the reason why i use two is because i like to use one as a backup just in case i have a problem with the second but also because i don't want to be messing around changing lenses when something might be going on what's interesting it allows me to jump from a long zoom to a standard zoom really really quickly and easily i thought i would just um point out as well that on the a 7 i have got a leather wrist strap and that's more for um, safety than anything really uh despite the size of the marillus bodies they are still pretty cumbersome to carry around as just a walk around camera especially when you've got a lens on there because they are disproportionately large unless you're um willing to sacrifice and buy a fixed pancake lens Having that leather strap just gives me a little bit more security. I can hold on to it. I can lay dangle off my wrist while I'm talking to people, things like that. But also on both cameras, I do keep a tripod plate and hooking points and I can attach my cameras then to um, a harness, which is fantastic for events because keeps them just towards your um, waistline. So the next thing I'm going to talk to you about is my lenses and by no means these aren't the world's greatest lenses but you get to a point where it's diminishing returns and to be completely honest the majority of your clients are not going to be pixel peeping like reviewers are doing on websites i think get the best that you can within your budget but as soon as you start getting to that point where you're spending you know 1200 1500 2000 pounds on a lens the next step up the 4000 pound lens is not Twice as good, it's maybe 10, 15, 20% better at certain things. And to be honest, I've not really sold a picture, I've not sold my services on the quality of my lenses. People are a lot more concerned with the, well, the big picture, as it were. Saying that, my main lens, my go to lens is the Tamron 2875. Anyone who shoots Sony pretty much knows this lens, I would have thought by now. And i know it's very very widely used and to be honest about this lens there's a couple of downsides to it it's not quite as fast on autofocus as the sony it's not quite as well built as the sony but it's like half the price and it very very rarely lets me down i use it for events i use it for portraiture i use it for artwork i just use it all the time it very rarely leaves my camera body the next one i've got is the 70 to 200 f4 again it's not the best that sony does and it's actually a lens that i very rarely use i mainly keep it for weddings and events just so that i can keep my distance and stay out of the way use the zoom to get in close for those shots that i want to get but i don't want to be stood right next to them so for example in a wedding you, you don't want to be stood in the aisle of the church um but if you can go to the back of the church or to the side then you can still get the good shots because there's plenty of focal length there to work with the 2.8 will be a fantastic lens to have but again at double the price it's just not worth it for me i don't do enough of that kind of work to justify the price tag and these are expensive enough as they are i think I paid about eight or nine hundred quid for that which in the grand scheme of things is the same as what I paid for my camera body and obviously I use that a lot more than than this particular lens so the next lens is Sony's 85 mil 1.8 again not the best one not the top of the range there's the 1.2 the 1.4s, there's obviously the Sigma's and the Tamron's and all the different brands you can get but this is probably my favorite lens it's extremely sharp it's got fantastic picture quality it's just very very pleasing the only issue i've got with this lens really is that the minimum focus distance is quite long i think it's somewhere around a meter so whilst it's fantastic for portraits and and close-up portraits it's actually quite hard to get very close-up portraits with this Whereas with some of the 85mms, they have a half metre or 50 centimetre minimum focus distance, which just means you can get um, a lot more of your subject to fill the frame. Whereas with this, you kind of have to crop down to get that same effect. Now, for, I think I paid about 400 quid for this. For 400 pounds, this is, I believe, by far the the best buy um, for a Sony lens things like the speed of focus the clarity the fact it's got the little um, programmable button on the side they're all such major benefits that i'd really struggle to justify doubling my budget just for this particular focal length again i use it a lot but still not as much as my 2875 and the next lens i'm about to show you it is like a plasticide metal body not entirely certain but it feels fantastic it's honestly very chuffed with that and the last lens i wanted to show you is basically just the nifty 50 it's the sony 50 mil 1.8 and again same as with the 85 same as with the 70 to 200 far from being the top of the range i think the 1.2's just come out the gm but the clarity the sharpness speed of operation the size they're all fantastic and you can pick these up for like 100 150 quid and i have no problems whatsoever printing and producing images from this and submitting them to clients because yeah if you pixel pp you're going to notice whatever kind of flaws it's got no doubt is pretty soft in the corners like all 1.8 in this kind of price range but aside from the fact that the focus is Bit on the slow side and a little bit on the noisy side to justify five, six, seven times the cost, even ten times the cost for something like the GM, it's just not worth it. These are fantastic, fantastic lenses. Okay, so that's kind of like the cameras and the lenses out of the way. Like I said, I'm not doing a big in depth review, I'm just trying to point out what I use and really highlight that you don't need the very top of the range stuff to be successful and make money as a photographer and especially as an artist but i think it's going to be a question that people have regardless and i've gone off on a little bit of a tangent so we'll go on to some of the smaller stuff that being um flashes and controllers so i've just got pretty standard sony dslr2 infrared remote it's fine it does what a remote supposed to do shutter time release video controls zoom controls if you've got a motorized lens or um, a bridge camera or something like that really good works pretty decent distance works pretty decent angles i use that quite a lot in my artwork then i've got my flash controllers the first one is the godox x1t you can see me reading it as i'm as i'm doing this fantastic um starter controller it's cumbersome changing all the settings because it's just got three buttons a wheel and a tiny little screen so it's not something that i would use in the studio but in the rare situation where maybe i wanted to use two cameras in the studio with two different focal lengths it means that i can set up both cameras with controllers and this being a little bit less handy to uh, change settings on is not that big of a deal because i'd just be copying them over from my main one and the main one is the x-pro s this is a lot better for ease of control and changing settings and setting up multiple groups so that's something i can use quite often in the studio where maybe i've got three or four different lights set up and i want different settings for each one or different timings for each one whatever it might be this is a, a lot better choice for doing that and again these are cheap like the xt1 you can get for like 20 25 quid something like that and the pro s i think i paid like 35 for mine from amazon warehouse then i've got two godox v8 S's and these are pretty much the best hot shoe flashes I think you can get for less than 200 quid 300 quid the reason I say that is because they're powerful they have a GN of 60 so that's pretty decent I know you can get up like 63, 65s and possibly higher but the actual output is really really nice it's pretty consistent with colouring it's fast recharge really useful screen nice buttons movable head all the usual stuff that you get with your hot shoe but the build quality is fantastic the game changer for me is uh, the lithium ion rechargeable battery that is included in it double layers are fine but you burn through them really really quickly rechargeable double layers are fine but they do have a tendency to wear out quite quickly and they take a long time to charge whereas these you know i can bang them on charge for 20 30 minutes and i'm good for 100 shots or something like that which is fantastic plus by having two of them i can pretty much count on uniformity between exposure settings and flash settings which is really good and i can run them off the godox triggers so they don't need to be attached to the camera they do ttl both attached to the camera and through the controllers which is really really good it, it makes life a lot easier if you're dealing with fast moving complex setups in the studio like kids and things where they're not going to stand exactly where you want them to be all the time and where you've done your lighting setups for so that's good but they are my secondary lighting i'll use them on the camera for events and stuff but in the studio the secondary lighting because they're powerful enough to do a little bit of fill or to do um some background work with my main flash however is this one over here i'll probably just walk over and get it i probably cut that because it was embarrassing how long it took me to get it off that stand but this is the godox eddy 400 pro it's battery rechargeable which is fantastic because i do outdoor shoots as well so this is fine for using um, as fill light the 400s not necessarily the most powerful by any means and using it to try and overpower the sun as they say is not what it's really made for but i don't tend to go for that look i prefer a much more natural look so i just use this for fill more than anything whereas in the studio it's fine i can shoot all day with this the battery lasts like 300 400 plus shots more than that at full power and it's more than powerful enough to do a small setup. Now, if I need a bigger setup, that's where I would turn to hiring stuff or using whatever the studio has got in, in place already, because in all honesty, it's not worth the money of buying um, a massive setup. Admittedly, there's gonna be you know, photographers out there who tell you you need thousand watt strobes and they need to be pro photo, but again, in my experience, i've been making money and i've been making work perfectly fine with this which is around five to six hundred pounds on uk markets just depending on what the demand's like i think i actually paid about 400 for mine so you know you keep an eye out and you can get a really good deal on them and to be honest not let me down not really felt that i needed more i will get a 600 at one point but i'm waiting for the prices to settle on them before i do and that's mainly because i'd like an additional strobe and if i'm going to get an additional strobe i might as well go one step up and have more than what i actually need so some of the good things about the godox is obviously the rechargeable battery which we've mentioned but also the modeling light it's got a 30 watt led modeling light which is really good for setup it's got two different mounting styles so it's got a bowens mount and it's got i think it's um a godox mount i'm not entirely certain it's got a nice clear screen easy to use buttons easy to use menus it's ttl as well same as everything else so again good for the studio when it's hard work trying to manage your subjects into a certain place within the studio but because it's godox it's compatible with all my equipment personally and that is pretty much what i would consider what anyone would ever need to be a freelance photographer. yeah there's going to be situations where you need additional equipment you know more lights more cameras better lights better cameras whatever it might be but for the day-to-day stuff your own personal artwork portraits in a small studio or headshots things like that corporate events and small scale weddings there's more than enough there for people to make a living off it and make a profit if i needed anything higher than what i've got at first i consider is it worth buying is it going to you know make my work better is it going to make my life easier and if i can pay it off within a reasonable amount of time in terms of what i lose in profit from spending then yeah i might buy it but the majority of the time i'd actually look into hiring or Borrowing if the studio has got it just to complete that one job and probably never use it again. It's like going back to the 7200. It's not often that I use that lens, but by having it on hand, it's really useful in those kind of situations where I want to try something with it or it'll give me that extra reach that I do need. It's not something that I would hire because. It being there is a bit of a safety net for those situations where maybe I didn't get to see the location first. So it's bigger than I anticipated. Whereas if I were to go out and buy say a 600 mil lens, I'm never gonna use that. I have very, very little use case for 200 mm So 600 is a huge investment and it's just not worth it to me. Now, if you're a sports photographer and you're working a football match, you might be thinking, well, 600 mils like the minimum that i would ever buy because i need to see from one side of the pitch to the other and and that's where the specialism of that particular type of photography does need that kind of thing whereas for me and for a lot of people out there who are only really interested in portraiture a 600 mil lens is an extravagant expenditure that i would never even hire let alone buy so i suppose that brings us somewhere to the end and i wanted to round it up really with how does this fit into my artwork because art doesn't generally focus on the gear or the equipment of the photographer who's making it and it's very rare that you hear um, conceptual art photographers talking about cameras yeah they'll talk about the process maybe or how they've created an image and where they were drawn inspiration from but rarely do they speak about their actual equipment now you do get the occasional one so that's not a blanket statement but generally it's more about their inspiration than their technique so for me just having the a7 III and the 50 plus the 2875 and the hot shoes that's pretty much everything that i use in my art and that's because i understand them tools intimately i know how to get it to react to the way that i want it to i know how these lenses look i understand the limitations and i understand what the framing of the shot is going to be without necessarily having to spend a lot of time constantly checking behind the camera so i mentioned the hot shoes over the main light that's mainly because i prefer having the flexibility and ease of use of the hot shoes rather than taking the big light and the stand and a soft box and all that kind of thing trying to make it fit into an environment and trying to get that to light naturally i'd much prefer to use as much natural light as i can and use the hot shoes as fill or as an overriding color i'll often gel these which you'll see in some of my artwork on on the website and at some point i'll talk about it on youtube but i can then pop them onto a little stand which literally just goes onto the bottom there it's just a little flat stand and i can move them around the scene to anywhere i want them to go without having to juggle all the equipment that goes with it so i'll use the gels mainly to add a splash of color but sometimes if i've got um natural light and artificial light i'll use it to correct the balance between the two having the ability to control this light just by moving the head of the zoom is often enough to make it a lot more useful unlike with the main strobe where you kind of have to buy light modifiers to get the look that you want with the hot shoes you can change the zoom inside which will change the light but also you can get away with just like wrapping a piece of card around it to turn it into a snoot or something like that and really that's kind of the point of why i enjoy doing art photography it's a lot more about finding new ways to do things within the environment and within the setup that you're doing it's not about having the best gear and if you're wanting to be a professional photographer or a portrait artist or an artist in general you don't as you can see here hopefully you don't have to have the very best equipment yes i'm lucky in that i've got above average equipment in many cases but my most used stuff is not because it's the most expensive but because it's the most user friendly and it's the most efficient at what i'm doing at that moment in time so that's why a seven three a twenty eight seventy five, a 50 and a couple of hot shoes is basically all i need to do the majority of my work so that's the video it's probably the only time i'll go into talking about what gear i use and what gear i recommend everything here is stuff i would recommend and you know i use it day in day out and it's all fantastic but the premise of the channel is now to focus on talking about what makes good photography and discussions around the ideologies and theories of photography which influence different movements over history and how that's brought us to where we are right now and hopefully how we can learn from that to progress photography even further and keep it relevant and keep it on the edge of uh, creative arts i should have said cutting edge but you get the point so if you liked this video you might not like the rest of the channel because it's not about this but if you can put up with me for like half an hour or however long i've been speaking for now you might be able to put up with me for my podcast and youtube videos give me a thumbs up thumbs down share all that kind of youtube stuff um you know what to do you, it's been here for long enough thank you very much and i'll see you soon and jasmine's really got bored now